You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt and not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent, and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. Welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And this week we're talking about wild game taste, specifically deer taste. And so we get into the difference, or if there is a difference, between the taste between a buck and a doe the di- you know is there a noticeable difference in a a ruddy buck you know a buck that was harvested you know in the peak of the rut uh, where if you know if there is a taste where does that taste come from or where do we think that taste come from comes from what causes it and even differences in deer taste from like northeast ohio farm country deer to southeast ohio hill country deer so interesting one on this one lots of you know our experience things that uh we've seen or noticed so 
hopefully there's something helpful or or interesting and let us know what you guys think you know what what things have you seen or noticed any oddities things that you can't explain or if you think you have an explanation you know let us know that too so before we get into that though i want to talk about our sponsor mastin's deer sense so mastin's is a deer scent company but i don't see them as just an any other deer scent company right they 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 have unique products but we've honestly had very very good luck with their scent there's we've used other scents in the past with minimal or marginal success mastin's we just it just works for us you know jeff has had multiple bucks come right up to where he has sprayed or or is using mastin scents so it's a great tool for getting deer within bow range and certainly within gun range so check them out mastinsdeersense.com or you can go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors. There's a link there to take you to their website. You can order right on their website, and they'll ship it to your house. Now, let's get into the episode on deer taste. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, so we're talking about meat this week. Meat quality, I guess. Hopefully, you all have some some deer down by now and, and have some meat in the freezer. If you don't, uh, there's still plenty of times, so keep at it. But basically the idea with this one is to sort of explore the idea or or the, I don't even know what, the myth, the rumor that, you know, different deer taste different, whether, whether we find any truth to that or, you know, if it's all a bunch of malarkey um so yeah that's where we're gonna go with that see see where we end up and uh hopefully there's you know something interesting or or (laughs) entertaining that comes out of this so basically how do you guys want to start this i mean because we kind of talked about you know is there a difference in taste between a buck and a doe is is there a difference in taste between you know like on a, a a buck that you shoot during the rut, um, any of that sort of pique any of y'all's interest to as a starting point? Um, I mean, I guess we should maybe start with a buck and a doe, I guess, um, just to because they're in theory, you know, people consider those two totally different things. Um, you often hear, you know, like, oh, that's a, that tastes like a ruddy buck or, um, you know, or a buck or, so I guess we could maybe start there as to if we think there's difference in flavor, um, or meat quality between bucks and does. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so I guess, I mean, I can start off with my thoughts. Um, if you really, you know, hired a meat scientist and like got into it, I'm sure you would find, yes, there is some difference between bucks and does. Um, especially, you know, I guess they try and blend it a little bit, but, um, a buck during the rut versus a buck not during the rut because of the increased testosterone and what that does to your muscles and that kind of stuff. Um, but I think the common myth, I'll call it, that rut bucks don't taste as good as does or rut bucks don't taste as good. Um, I think a lot of that more has to do with poor um i guess cleaning practices when you're gutting your deer um yeah and skinning your deer more importantly um bucks have gland i mean all deer have different glands scent glands but um bucks specifically use those glands during the rut especially to kind of indicate this is my territory. So it gets, you know, they, those scents ramp up Well, bucks and does, I guess. Um, so it's more just the importance of keeping all of that off of your meat and being very careful to not, you know, when you're skinning your deer, if you, you know, are cutting skin and skin and then you come across, you know, one of their scent glands that run down their hind leg, for example, um, or, you know, a buck that's just worked a scrape and peed all over itself, essentially. Um, you know, it's got pee running down its leg. Yeah. And then you get that on your knife and then you start cutting into your meat with that. I think that's where a lot of your, that ruddy buck that, you know, that's tastes terrible. It tastes ruddy. It tastes gamey. I think a lot of that comes from just not being not knowing what you're doing or not knowing you know not intentionally contaminating your meat but not realizing that it could be as little as like i cut through that with my knife and then i you know cut this round steak off the rump or whatever you know and now that's going to taste kind of off because you put a bunch of scent in it yeah my my uh like i i could see because i've done this right like you're you've got a deer on the ground and you're trying to get it in a position to get it gutted or something or you're trying to get it into a position to get it hung from a gambrel or something and you grab its back leg and put your hands all over those tarsals that, that i mean you walk up on a a down buck during the rut and you can smell it right i mean it has a distinct right. odor and so right. getting that on on your hands and then touching all the meat that you know you, you a lot of your taste comes through smell and so i think whether it's an actual taste or it's just the meat has an odor to it that comes through you know even through cooking and everything you know, I don't, I don't know for sure, but that's been, that's been my experience. Like if, if you've got a deer that's been 
gutted quickly, you know, after after shooting Buck Ordo. Um, but I, you know, I guess if you want to sort of compare Buck or Doe, I haven't noticed any real difference between a Buck or a Doe as far as taste. Jeff, do you is do you have any uh, uh, ideas or do, have you had any experiences to the contrary on that? So my input is a a non-rutting Buck, you know pre or a, a little ways post rut um mm-hmm. and a doe there's very li- little dis- you know it very little difference in the meat you know that you would really be able to distinguish in taste right you know there's there's other factors that affect the meat more than gender um if the butt's not if the buck's not rutting um a rutting buck is really overexerting its muscles um which is creating lactic acid and that lactic acid building up in that in those in that meat the muscles um absolutely can have an effect on taste um now is there things you can do to uh you know, make the meat better. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of aging deer meat. Um, but if you shoot a rutting buck, it's probably a good idea to age that deer, you know, age that meat because that will help that lactic acid dissipate out of the muscle and take all that flavor that's coming from that out of the meat. So I I think the only thing, you know, buck versus doe that does affect taste, or at least to a great amount, is the the stress and the physical exertion of the rut. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I and and I guess maybe I haven't shot a ton of bucks in the rut to have a, a huge sample size, but my, you know, anecdotal experience, you know, I've not, and I'll be honest, I don't have the most refined palate, so maybe I'm just not noticing it. I don't know. Uh, now, I have noticed a smell like while processing, but never then, you know, never then pick that up again during, uh, like while eating cooked meat. So I don't know. Yeah. My, my brother-in-law shoots a buck during the rut almost every year. And he does a lot. He puts a lot of effort into, aging that meat and if you're eating it you know not not necessarily as ground or you know he makes a lot of sausage and stuff like that obviously the the spices of the sausage or if you're you know making it ground and you know you're putting a lot of spice in that stuff um but if you eat it you know where you're actually getting the flavor of the meat 
there's something different to it for sure okay. it's uh i mean it's not it's not bad but there's there there's a different taste it it has a a gamey taste to it you know where most venison that i eat you know in my opinion i guess it doesn't it doesn't taste gamey it i mean it has a different taste than beef but mostly that the difference in taste is due to how lean the deer meat is not really anything else you know the the fat in beef kind of gives it the different taste does he shoot other deer outside of the rut and do the same aging on them uh not really no he doesn't he doesn't shoot many deer outside of the rut so because um, my reason I ask that is my understand and I don't I don't age anything either but my understanding with aging is it can intensify flavors right you're you're sort of drying the meat and it can uh, concentrate if if you will um and so I wonder like that's that's why I was asking you know like do you, does he get the same effect or do you know is that flavor not there with other deer that he shoots that are you know handled and aged the same way the only variable you changed is a deer outside of the rut yeah i i can't answer that to be honest so i mean yeah that definitely definitely could be cuz this is a little bit of a tangent but i watched a uh give a shout out to the bearded butchers there in Wayne County I watched a video that they did. It was a comparison between grass-fed beef and grain-finished beef and, like, in, you know, in butchering. So they went through the whole process, the hanging, the difference in hanging weights, the difference in the way, you know, the the meat looks, the fat looks, the, you know, and then they ended up cooking up some of the meat. And they had, you know, the carcasses had been hanging for, I forget, you know, they've got... Obviously, they're they're cooler, they're safe aging um, environment, and they they cooked some of the meat up, and so it was aged beef, and you know when they were sort of doing their taste test, they they m- mentioned uh, the 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 grass fed beef. Yeah, and I, don't quote me on the exact wording, but like, you know, they they talked about how the flavor was more intense, almost had a more gamey flavor to it, you know, a more robust flavor to it, or something like that. And so, I guess that's where I was going with that. So it would just be interesting to see if it, you know, is it the aging or is it the rutting? I don't know. This is where the listeners need to, uh, you know, give us your anecdotal evidence, right? I mean, I don't think it's anecdotal that lactic acid buildup in an animal can cause flavor. It can flavor the meat, right? One way you see that is if it's, if the deer is really, you make a bad shot on it and the deer suffers and there's a lot of trauma, you know, I think those deer, I think, uh, 
doesn't Ranella talk about a deer, a mule deer he shot, and it fell down in this cavern, and it took him, you know, maybe it didn't die right away, but that deer was, like, it was tough to eat that deer sort of thing. And, and I think he speculates that it kind of laid down there and, you know, died a slow, miserable death. And, and you guys remember hearing him talk about that? Yeah, I remember. I don't remember all the details, but I do remember him talking about it. He said that was the worst. I think he said it's the worst he's ever, worst deer he's ever eaten. Yeah. And he speculated that it was because it was so stressed out down there. Right. Yeah. So, and I've, I've heard, uh, similar things with, you know, a lot of people say that mule deer, you know, is terrible or not mule deer. Sorry. Antelope is terrible. Like it's terrible meat to eat. Um, and I've heard a lot of that is when people are harvesting them, you know, people are going out on public land during, uh, gun season and an antelope, you know, I mean, they are built for speed. They are, you know, uh, North America's gazelle. Right. So, these animals, you know, these, they're running constantly, you know, miles and miles because they can't get away from people. So then when you do shoot one, I mean, it is just filled with, you know, it, it's exhausted. Right. And that's why a lot of people say the meat's so bad is because that's when the deer, you know, or when the antelope are being shot. I've also heard with that antelope specifically that, you know, it's hot. And so if you're not getting that meat cooled down right away, you know, that's another reason that antelope gets a bad rap is just, you know, the meat care part of it. If you shoot it, mm-hmm. don't find it right away or, you know. Or you put it in the, you know, you leave the hide on, put it in the truck, drive it, you know, back into town to a processor. You know, by that point, it's been baking in 80 degrees sun in the back of your truck. It, you know, it's already started to spoil. It, you know, I don't, I don't know. Never right. Well, on it, but I've, you know, yeah, that's and, what I've heard as well. Yeah. And out, out west, you know, gutting field dressing is not as common. You know, a lot of those people, you know, because you because it's the prairie, you know, it's the plains. You can just drive a truck right up to the animal and pick it up. You're not dragging it out. So gutting animals isn't as common. You pick it up and take it back to wherever you're taking it, hang it by the neck and then open it up and drop the guts out. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of. On a on a map, ver, you know, people who hang deer head versus feet, it's a lot of it depends on whether they're field dressing or if they're taking it back and then gutting it. Because if you're taking it back and then gutting it, you almost have to hang it by its head so the guts fall out. If you hang it by its feet, the guts just kind of fall into the chest cavity. Yeah. So that's a lot of a reason for the cultural difference between hanging from, you know, from the feet or versus the head. Huh. Fun fact. Yeah. 
We need to take a quick break here and talk about our sponsor, Monster White Tail Grub. So Monster White Tail Grub is a, is a deer feed company. They're an Ohio deer feed company. So they're based out of Ohio. They try to source all of their ingredients, even their packaging from Ohio. So it's a great way to, to support and bolster the Ohio economy. And the nice thing about Monster White Tail Grub is they're really starting to get into more and more retail locations. So they may be in a store near you. So check them out. Go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors and you can get in touch with them see which retail locations they're in. If they're not near you, you can certainly just order direct from Monster Whitetail Grub and, and they'll get it to you. But as you've heard me say in the past, we've had really good success with Monster Whitetail Grub. It's a great way to get deer in front of your stand or in front of your cameras. And the stuff just works. So if you're looking for feed or, you know, like I said, either as a way to get deer in front of your cameras or in front of your stand, check them out. Monster Whitetail Grub, you won't go wrong. So then there's the other thing that I think can can impact uh, taste is a deer's diet. Now, uh, um, there again, I don't have a super refined palate. I don't know that I've noticed a taste difference, but there's certainly a visible difference between deer that we've shot in down south, you know, Wayne National Forest, southern Ohio, and sort of corn-fed deer up, you know, northeast Ohio. <laughs> when you pull the hide off those two deer, there's generally a lot more fat on, on a deer shot you know, up Northeast Ohio or, you know, you know, anywhere where there's farm ag. Um, but I, have you guys noticed a flavor difference between those two? No, I haven't. Um, but again, kind of going back to what you touched on, I wouldn't call myself a refined, having a refined palate. And primarily the way my wife tends to cook most of our venison, it involves other spices and things, whether that's in chili, tacos, burgers, you know, we don't, very rarely do we sit down and eat, you know, a deer steak unseasoned, unmarinated right. yeah. to really know, you know what I mean? I When you're adding all those other flavors to it, I don't want to say it makes it all taste the same, but you know what I mean? It covers up any minute differences you might have. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say if you ate them side by side and you just, you know, cooked them untreated, basically, you know, you just took two steaks, one from each and cooked them side by side and tasted them. You may notice a little difference, but I've never done it to know. And I would imagine it would be such a small difference. You know, I've never had one. It certainly isn't something where it's like I prefer one over the other. Right. Yeah. So this might be a a psychological thing. Um, but I I do taste the difference, you know, between northeast Ohio farm country deer and 
Wayne National Forest, you know, hill country deer. Mm-hmm. Um, the Northeast Ohio deer, you know, the farm country deer seem to just be a little bit more more tender. You know, maybe not even a taste difference, but it's more tender meat. And I would even say a, a taste, like it, just a little less... A little less robust of a flavor. They're they're a little less flavorful, if you will. You know, it, they they pick up the the flavor of your seasonings better in ag country because the meat doesn't have as much of a taste of its own. I could see um, that. Yeah, I mean, like and what, I said, not that I've experienced it, but I could see. Th- I mean, I I I'm, I wouldn't argue with you on that point. Yeah, that might be just psychological. One thing I can tell you that definitely was not psychological um, was when I was in high school, I had a buddy whose dad hunted in northern Michigan and uh, in, like, the pine forests. And I went over to his house and we had tacos, venison tacos, and there was a distinct piney taste in that meat. You, you really, could even taste, through the taco seasoning. Yeah. Yeah. You could, it, you know, it tasted like, uh, you know, it was like the IPA of uh, deer meat. You, there was, <laughs> there was a, a piney taste to it. Maybe you're onto something there. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it, 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 there was a difference like without a doubt there was a difference interesting so uh, it, it when you get to that drastic of a difference in diet you know where you know because between northeast ohio and you know wayne national forest you know the difference in diet is basically a little bit of corn and soybeans where, you know, once they go in the woods, they're eating basically the same stuff. You know, acorns, right. you know, same forbs, same prickers, you know, same yep. leaves that they're nibbling on. Well, up in northern Michigan, you know, where, where he was hunting, it was a completely different diet. You know, they're, they're eating, yeah. you know, pine nuts and pine needles and you know there is there's no ag fields they're not eating that yeah and less less acorns and there there was a difference interesting so i don't think i told you guys i bought a a sous vide i did well not a standalone sous vide but, but i bought a one of these instant pot slow cookers that has a sous vide function. I haven't used it on deer yet because all I have left is ground, but I'm looking forward, you know, if I'm, if I'm ever able to get a deer this season, um, I'm looking forward. Maybe we could do a Pepsi challenge on a Northeast Ohio, you know, hunk of backstrap versus a hill country hunk of backstrap and see if we can, you know, sous vide them up and they'll be cooked side by side maybe yeah 
that's uh, interesting. This this might take us on a little bit of a tangent, but because uh, my uh, Instapot uh, has a sous vide function, but when I was actually reading about it, it's not really at all sous vide. Like it's, you know, there's nothing circulating the water. So basically you're getting like uh, layers of water. You're getting thermals. Yeah. And it, it, I was a little bit upset that they could even market it as being sous vide, you know, because it's like, that's, that's basically just, I mean, it's a little bit better, but it's like, just cooking something in a crock pot with with water you know I was... yeah but a, cr- a crock pot doesn't go that low oh okay Fair my enough. crock pot so here's my my take on my instant pot with this it's the instant pot aurora or whatever is the one i have i don't know aurora pro i don't know it's got sous vide function i think that that you know, uh, uh, um, maybe some of the, the newer slow cookers or or crock pots, crock pots a brand, right? Maybe some of the newer crock pots have uh, better temperature control, but crock pot historically has always been high or low. And I think at some point, food safety, whatever, low is even ripping hot. I mean, if you leave something on low long enough, it'll boil it. So it's low is even at least my any of the slow cookers I have. Mm-hmm. If you if you read some of the you know if you look into the history of some of that stuff, I think low on a slow cooker used to be low, but now I think low is still pretty high. Uh, right. Um, so with that instant pot, I think on slow cooker you still just have high low, but I think <laughs> because it has some sort of sensing technology in it. I think I've not noticed it boiling like, like soup or something that you've gotten a slow cooker. If you have it on, on low on the instant pot, slow cook function. Um, so my thought on the sous vide is, is, yeah, it doesn't circulate. It doesn't have a pump circulating water, but like you said, it's thermals. Hot water is going to circulate itself. It's going to heat on the bottom. It's going to raise the cool stuff's going to, you know, and it's going to sort of come to a homogenous mixture. Now that, that being said in the manual, they say like if, if you're cooking something to like a medium rare, you know, so the temperature is pretty low. I think they put a max cook time on that, you know, in their, in the manual of like four hours. Because I think you're, I think, I don't know if that's the same with all sous vides. My understanding was like you could leave a steak in there for 12 hours or something, and cook it, bring it out and sear it and and eat it. Well, the the instant pot sous vide, you know, when you're in those lower temperature ranges, 130 degrees or something, they say like for steaks, you know, 130 degrees max, four hours. So... <laughs> I think I speculate um, maybe that's because it doesn't circulate the water with a pump. 
maybe it's a food safety thing because you're flirting with that, you know, bacterial growth range. Uh, um, I don't know. But that being said, I've cooked steaks in it twice now, and they've turned out wonderfully. So I, I even told Amanda, I said, I bet you, because, you know, whatever, well done's 165 or something on a steak, whatever the well done temperature. I told her, I bet you you could cook steaks well done in a sous vide and they would be more tender than just cooking them well done on a grill because you're you're only bringing it to that temperature and and nothing past it you know so uh, what are the odds that you hit the perfect well done temp on a steak and pull it and it you know there's that resting and i'm not a one of these guys that gets way deep into you know uh, smoking meat and like temperature continues to go up up after you pull it off. I don't know all the science there. Maybe someday I'll go down that rabbit hole, but I, I haven't decided to yet. Um, but, you know, I just think you could cook a, a sous vide steak well done and it would come out more tender than a grilled well done steak because you're, you're only bringing it to that well done temperature and, and nothing past that. Because the first time we made steaks in it, I had the, the, you know, the manual was saying one thing. I was reading some stuff online saying a different thing. And, and so I had the temperature up. Uh, they didn't come out well done, but they weren't like, like medium that I was shooting for. They were more like a medium well, you know, with a little bit of pink in the middle still. But they were way more tender than, you know, steaks that I've cooked to medium well you know, I was shooting for medium. They ended up being more medium well um, on the grill. So my review is I I like the sous vide function. And uh, yeah. uh, so far I haven't gotten <laughs> I haven't gotten sick using it on uh, yeah. beef steaks. I'll have to I'll have to try it out because, yeah, my crock pot, I think it's a crock pot brand. Uh, or not Crock-Pot, it's Instapot brand. Um, you know, it's a, it's an everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it pressure cooks, it, uh, slow cooks, it air fries, it does everything. Um, oh, see, I don't have that one. Yeah. It, it Mine has doesn't that, pressure cook. Oh, okay. Yeah. It has that function. I just, I, it didn't, it didn't seem like it was really sous vide so it's like why even i was i was worried about getting sick really i guess it's like i'm gonna put this in there and have no idea what temperature it's really getting to without a meat thermometer i could just use a meat thermometer but it was like yeah i'm not gonna use that function because but maybe i'll have to try it out yeah so mine looks like a you know it's shaped like a slow it just has a glass tempered glass lid it doesn't you know it doesn't have the pressure cook function but it's got slow cook it's got sous vide it's got i don't know a bake function i think it's i don't know you know instant pot it's got like 30 buttons on it but um 
Yeah, I've used the sous vide. The only thing is, I mean, it's it's bigger. I think the pot on it is bigger than our our big slow cooker. <laughs> but even at that, with with sous vide, and especially, I mean, because the the one thing I would be worried about is like if you stacked four steaks up in this thing and it's not really getting water between them especially these we you know we get um uh, it's kind of a hard to explain we get like half a half a side of beef and we split it with a you know a couple different families so we end up with like a a quarter side of beef or, or <laughs> i think that's how it ends up um but anywho, the, you know, the steaks they cut off of this, they're, they're dinosaur st- steaks, you know. And so to put two of them in that pot, it pretty well fills it. You know, it, I, would, I would be a little nervous about putting any more than that because they'd be laying on top of each other and not circulating water between them. Maybe it would be fine, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess where I was going with that is the, the a a true sous vide wand or whatever. You know, you can put it in whatever you can cook steaks in a cooler. You know, like you can put if you wanted to make ten steaks, you just need a container big enough to hold ten steaks and a bunch of water, and it'll heat the water and circulate it. And you're not going to do that with this instant pot sous vide thing. So. That was quite the tangent, but yeah. How did we get there? Oh, because we were gonna we were gonna do a Pepsi challenge on uh, corn-fed deer, flat ground corn-fed farm country deer versus uh, hill country woods deer. Okay, well, anything else you guys want to mention? Thoughts on well different flavors. <laughs> I think we need to get into the age profile. You know, I think that's where a lot of controversy comes in mm. is yeah. people shooting, you know, fawns and, you know, yearling bucks saying that they taste better. You know, I think that's, you know, a pretty controversial topic because people don't want their little deer being shot, whether it's a little buck or whether it's, you know, a fawn. What do you guys think on that one? I mean, it might hurt your feelings, but I think a young deer is certainly going to be, I don't know about the flavor, but the meat is going to be more tender, right? I mean, that's proven in the, in the, like, the agricultural, the commercial meat market, right? There's, like, veal and, like, it's, pay a premium because it's more tender right. than it, you know, that young meat. Right. The veal market doesn't exist because it's make-believe. Right. You know what I mean? It, it's a real thing. It, it is. It's tender. It, you know, the older the deer gets, the more, along the same lines, Jeff, like you said about in the rut, um, I mean, the more it uses those muscles, the older those muscles get, the more tough potentially that meat could get um you know i don't think necessarily that a white-tailed deer is going to get to the point where it's so tough that it's inedible 
I mean, there's things you can do to offset that, but I think that a young deer probably does, at least texture-wise, it probably is more tender or has a higher likelihood of not cooking up tough than an older deer. Um, I mean, I think but, you can even feel it in, in like, you pull a backstrap off a yearling deer versus a backstrap off of a couple year old deer. Like the, it just feels different. The, the, the yearling deer just feels softer when, you know, just raw. And it falls off basically. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it basically, like it hardly wants to stay on that, that deer, you know, the backstrap. It just wants to just fall off into your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that kind of just <laughs> goes to show, um, <laughs> we, you know, we grew up, like I said, you know, hunting the Wayne and those guys down there, there was a time when there was a lot more deer, so you didn't pass on much of anything. So I remember when we were learning to skin deer, that was like what they would say. They're like, oh, that backstrap will fall right off in your hands. Just peel it right out of there. You don't even have to hardly cut it. You can pull it off without even using your knife. And I think what that was is they were just shooting a lot of little deer. (laughs) (laughs) That's why it was falling off in their hands. It's because they were shooting young deer. That's a side tangent, I guess. (laughs) Well, that and I, and I mean, because there was, you know, a time when, you know, it was production, right? It, it was, you know, right. Those guys would make pretty short work of shoot a deer, get it down to the truck, get it back to the cabin. The thing's still warm. And that, you know, right. The meat just comes off easier when it's still warm. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going out there and shooting fawns, but I, you know, because, oh, that, that's a tasty deer, but I'm not, I'm not ashamed to to shoot a fawn. And, you know, if, if that's the, if I'm looking for meat and that's the deer that comes by, I'm, I'm not afraid to shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that's been, I'd be interested in, you know, I don't think we hunt in areas where this, you know, I guess it could, it's it's hard to tell, but where I'm going is like, you know, you, you see some of these or you hear about some of these where, you know, everybody's sort of passing on does and, you you know, you get some of these like really old does, like what do those things taste like? You know, you get an eight, 10 year old doe. That thing's certainly going to taste different than a a yearling fawn. Yeah. I would think. I don't know, but it just seems like it would. But, you know, to, I don't think it was on the podcast, but Jeff kind of made the point that it's hard for deer to get that old in and around Ohio just because there's too many roads. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to have a spot where the deer don't see roads because for whatever reason, they like to play chicken with cars. Well, and, you know, I think there's a fair bit of hunting pressure through, 
throughout the state. Right. I, I, you know, driving from Medina County to Trumbull County, now that the leaves are off, you know, typically when, when the wife and I are making that drive, I'm driving, but I was in the passenger seat and, you know, you, you can just, it seemed like every chunk of woods you could look in there and be like, oh, there's a tree stand. Oh, there's a blind. Oh, you know, and it's like, it it gives you the impression that (laughs) every chunk of woods in the state gets hunted, you know, granted that, you know, it wasn't a statewide tour, but you can drive around and go like, you know, you, you standing there in, in the store and, you know, you can, unless everybody's standing there in camo, you know, and even at that, I don't know that that's a, a telltale sign anymore that, that somebody hunts, but you know, you can be out in public or at work and think, you know, you're the only guy that hunts, but then you drive down the road and see a tree stand in every woodlot and go, well, everybody hunts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but all right. Well, I think this has been good. Probably a good spot to, to shut it off unless you guys have anything else you want to add here at the end. Any closing thoughts? No, I'm good. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm good. Hopefully, like I said at the beginning, you guys have some deer in the freezer. If you don't, hopefully, uh, you know, like I said, there's still there's still time. So it's one good thing about especially the archery seasons here in Ohio. You got pretty pretty liberal season uh, season dates. So get out there, get some some deer in the freezer, and enjoy. Let us know your thoughts. You know, have you come across a, a funky buck or something, and what do you think caused it? So with that, we'll uh, shut it off. All right, that's it for this week. So just a few things to wrap up here. If you're new to the show, make sure you're following us on social. We're Ohio Huntsman on Facebook, Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast on Instagram. It's a good way to keep up to date with, you know, what we're going on, what we've got going on, or, you know, if there's some sort of regulation change or lottery hunt that was just announced, we, we use social to kind of keep you guys up to date as soon as we find out about that stuff. So that's a good way to, to sort of keep in touch, stay up to date. If you have anything you want us to talk about on the podcast, that's a good way to, you know, get those topics into us and, uh, you know, we'll be sure to talk about them. And the other thing is make sure you're going to ohiohuntsman.com. Lots of content there. And if you're interested or you want, there's a Ohio Huntsman merch swag. You know, we got stickers, we've got shirts sweatshirts so if you're if that's something you're interested in or or think you might be interested in maybe for christmas gifts or or anything like that be sure to check that out and with that i'll let you all go and we'll talk to you next week thanks for listening Mm -hmm.